0: Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? He is stirring, He is moving, His presence is here. I love it. I'm going to invite uh, my good friends. Jill and Joel Dryden up to the stage here. They have no idea what's going on. Jill thinks she's won a cruise. It's it's not that, but this is really cool timing. How many of you know know, the Lord just has perfect timing? So Joel and Jill, they pastored Second Chance Church in Peoria, right off Willow Knolls in that at old, is it the Conklin Barn? Or what, what was the barn? The theater. Yeah. you me It was stage two, the second chance. It was. Um, I can't remember the name of the barn. It's okay, but you, you all know where that is, right? it's Bacon. the Farm. Bacon. Bacon farm. Bacon's farm. Okay. Bacon's farm. Okay. Now we got that. We got that out of the way. But they pastored second chance church for how many years? About two, two and a half years. Yeah. And and I didn't really know Joel. We were gonna. We kind of texted back and forth a little bit, and he actually offered to give us to, to allow us to meet in that building when we were looking for a home. But it was right after Revive in East Peoria. We'd already committed to, to there. So we had, like, multiple people offering us a home. And something I will – I don't think I've thanked you for that publicly, but thank you for that. But this is so cool because the – we're in whispers and shouts. And about nine months ago or so – um, I drive on off Willanelles a lot, and so I'd seen that church sign. There's a, there was a church sign that the city had put there that just said church on it, and I've always loved that sign, and it just spoke to me, and, and um, yeah, even before I knew who you guys were, I'm like, That's, that sign is so cool, and it just made me smile about the kingdom of God, and, and I would pray for second chance, not even know who knowing who you were. And then I got to meet you and, and know you guys a little more, and so, you know, last summer I'm driving by that sign a lot. And, and one day the Lord, the Holy Spirit, whispers to me, get that sign for Joel. I'm like, really? <laughs> really, God? You want me to take Benny in the dead of the night? And that was my first thought. Okay, how am I going to get this sign legally? And I kind of, I ignored, well, I didn't ignore the, yeah, I ignored the prompting. Because, you know, immediate obedience isn't obedience. But he kept, God's so faithful, he kept whispering every time i drive by that sign, get that sign for Joel, get that sign for Joel. And so finally I I realized, you know, the Lord said to me, and I said, how? And he said, ask and you shall receive. And immediately, as soon as he said that, Tim Ringenbach's name came into my mind, who's our good friend on city council. And so I texted Tim, I said, hey, I've got a really odd request. There's a church sign on Willow Knolls it's no longer, there's no longer a church meeting there, but I would love, the Spirit of God has said, get that sign for Joel, so I wanted to be obedient. Is there any way the city would be able to take that sign down and give it so, to us so we could honor Joel? And he said, let me see what I can do. And a few months went by, and I didn't hear back, and didn't want to press Tim on it, you know, but he got the sign. And... Um, You know, Matthew 10, the very end of Matthew 10, which we preached about a few weeks ago, says to honor the prophets of God and to give a cup of cold water in his name. And I just want to publicly, on behalf of this church, thank you for stewarding Second Chance Church and the kingdom so well. Yes. Yes, both of you. And the, the Holy Spirit wants you to know that what you sowed in that season is not worthless. And it is any time the word of God goes out, it produces much fruit. And the the lies of the enemy will come and attack you, and I'm sure they have, to say that that season was wasted. It is not wasted. It is not worthless. There is a harvest that you will continue to see year after year after year into the souls of people that will be so amazing. And so we just want to honor you. Bill, could you bring that out here? It's not a cruise. Yeah, they're a lot bigger than you think. (laughs) Would you just stretch out your arms and let's just bless this couple. Jesus, we thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for how you work. And even though it's not always the way that we see, you have such miraculous plans for us, plans for a future and a hope. And God, I just pray for this couple right now. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for the things that they invested in a second chance into this region and this city. Thank you for their business. Thank you for their business. They are doing kingdom work through their business. And so, Father, would you bless it? Would you restore the years that the locusts have eaten? And would you give out abundance? Would you open the windows of heaven on this family because of their faithfulness to your name? It's not about a church, it's not about second chance, it's not about 214, it's about the name that is above every name, at the name demons tremble, the name of Jesus, and he is taking territory for his kingdom in this city, in this region. So I pray the peace of God that passes all understanding on Jill and Joel's heart and mind, and I pray that this sign would be a blessing to them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can have Bill hold that for you if you want. I'm going to put it with the one that I have from Paris. Oh, that's awesome. That's a longer story. Okay, I want to hear that story sometime. So don't say that you haven't seen miracles, signs, and wonders at this church. (laughs) Whispers and shouts. Let's just pray before we continue. Holy Spirit, you are evidently moving in this place. We do not want to block the flow of the river. And so, God, this morning, you are calling us to join in what you are doing. And I pray that anything that does attempt to block the flow of your river from your throne would be thwarted and removed, and only what is flowing with you will remain at your pace, at your current, at your speed. And so, Father, you are doing things in this hour that we can't even, we're still trying to wrap our minds around, our heads around. But, Father, we say, yes, Lord Jesus, come quickly. That's what you, what you said in Revelation 2, I come quickly, and we've seen it this week. You are doing things that that are instantaneous, just like Mar- the Gospel of Mark said, instantly it happened, instantly it happened, instantly it happened. So, Father, open our hearts This morning for your word, let the seed be penetrated deep into the soil of our hearts and produce much fruit. And it's in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Whispers and shouts. I just think it's so cool that God whispered that to me. I finally obeyed, and then it's shouted from the stage, and we honor the prophets of God. So whispers and shouts is all about Matthew 10, instructions from Jesus To us, And he says this to us and said that to his disciples then. He said, as you go, as you move, as you step forward together, preach this message. Kingdoms, heaven, realm is near. It is right now. It is here. It is accessible. Grab hold of it. You must continually bring healing to those who are sick and make it your habit to break off demonic strongholds and raise the dead back to life. And we've seen some dead things raised this week. And then he says this, freely you have received, freely you have received, so freely release. You won't need a lot of money, travel light, trust God for everything. I believe that these instructions what I'm going to focus on this morning will change our world if we actually believe them And are obedient to them. Freely you have received, so freely release. We like to hold on tight, don't we? We like to grip things, even really good things that the Lord has given us, but we like to hold on tight to them. See, the scripture says every good and perfect gift is from above. So if you have a gift in your life, a blessing in your life, and it's good, then it's from him it's from the it says from the father of lights with whom there is no turning or variation i love that name for him the father of lights it wasn't just the father of light the father of lights and i love it because it's the first gift that he gave us in the beginning what is the first thing he spoke let there be light and there was light. The one who is light himself created other lights to shine on us, to warm us up. And aren't we looking for that March sunlight right now? We are craving, our bo- Our physical bodies are, were made to receive that vitamin D sunlight. A perfect gift from the father of lights. And right now we're in this month, my wife and I, I don't argue about it, but we're like, I'm like, the sunlight, it's, it's March, it's going to be warm. And she's like, nah, <laughs> but there's this there's this tension I know I'm just I'm speaking prophetically about global warming in March I want it to come I'm ready for him to come We crave sunlight It's because we crave him the father of lights freely you've received the light Freely, you're supposed to release the light. But even more than sunlight, the most precious gift, of course, that the Father gave us was himself, his very own son, that he freely gave. He, uh, what kind of God of the universe Steps down from his throne room to humble himself so much that he becomes like the ones he's created. He becomes the second Adam. He puts on flesh and bones, all that so, all that he could save us to redeem us. Like if we ever get tired of that story, that's religion. If we ever get, if we ever do not weep at that story, you are in dead religion. If you ever, if it does never tra- traumatize you. You need to shake yourself back to the place of relationship with the Father. It's not just a gift that you unwrap and then put on a shelf until he comes back. It's a gift that keeps on giving and restoring salvation every day. It's so precious that he would walk among us, that he would live in our neighborhoods, that that he would touch us and heal us and then give us the gift of the Holy Spirit and say, I'm coming back one day. There's redemption in what I've done on the cross and the resurrection. There's redemption in that, but I'm coming back one day to complete it. And you can see the shaking that's happening in this world to complete it. And sometimes we get so focused on the shaking and we don't, we're not focused on the kingdom. We're, we're focused on the shaking of the world system, the, the system of the demonic that's crumbling. But we're not focused on the, the house of the Lord that is rising. Because it says in the last days, the house of the Lord will be at the top of the mountain. And there's a clear defining line. It's not like the demonic has not been around for a long time. It was just underground. And now it is being exposed, and it's a good thing. And you're seeing a divide between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And I love Revelation 22. It says this, let the evildoers' deeds, let them do their evil works. But let the holy be holy. There are two systems And when we see the shaking of everything that's not the kingdom, we can rejoice because we know the kingdom realm of Jesus is here. And let the holy, which is you, be holy. Let the righteous be righteous. Freely you have received this gift of salvation. You couldn't do anything to earn it. That's why it's so hard to understand sometimes. You didn't do anything to deserve it. He just gives himself and he doesn't force it on you because that's what love is. He says, I paid the ultimate price. I died the cruelest death that most of us, hopefully and probably none of us will ever experience, a cross on which you literally suffocate as you're hanging there, nails piercing your hands and feet, a spear in your side and you die in agony and the God of the universe had to willingly choose in that moment because he could have easily And commanded 10,000 angels to come to his aid. But he had to willingly say and give up my spirit in order so that you could be saved. The blood, the water, and his spirit had to come into agreement. And in that moment, he gives you a choice. He gives you salvation. Yet he's so good, he won't force you. He's so good, he says, you still have to choose me. I'm right here. I did it all freely. You have received. But if you choose me, and and if you haven't chosen him today, it's very simple. You just turn your heart, your heart that was going this way, your own way, towards the world's things, towards evil. You turn your heart. That's what repentance is. And you start walking to him. That's what Jesus did to the disciples. He called them out of the boat. He said, follow me. Step out of what you've been doing. Follow me. You've been fishing for fish. I'm going to show you something even greater to fish for men. And the awesome thing was they didn't even have to give up their fishing for fish. He still used that in them, but he wanted to test them to see if they were willing to give up everything for him. But the God of the universe will walk on your shoreline, and he says, follow me. But in his kindness and gentleness, he's going to keep on moving. He's going to keep on walking He's never going to leave you. He's always going to whisper that to you. But it's your choice every single day. Are you going to follow him or choose your own way? Freely, you have received. So freely release. I don't know. Sometimes we have problems with receiving. And a lot of times we have problems with releasing. But freely, you're supposed to do both. That's why in worship, it's so good to have your hands open because the position of your body opens up somehow in your soul, your heart condition to what the Lord wants to do in and through you. Freely, you have received so freely release. And he says, you won't need a lot of money. Hmm. He's a good father who gives good gifts, who gives finances and money. Don't mishear him but you won't need to hold on to a lot of money freely. You have received so freely release travel light. I love this simple two words, travel light. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? Just to like grab a little backpack and travel around the world. Like go to go to Europe and just take like a couple essential things in your backpack, nothing weighing you down. No, luggage to wait at the baggage claim for for hours, right, my dear wife? <laughs> Travel light. But all of us, all of us. That sounds like a good concept in our heads, but all of us are like, well I, I need this and I need that. And I can't do it without a curling iron, or two of them. And the kitchen sink. <laughs> And my sports gear, I'll I'll get to the men in a second. And all this stuff that we like to pack. This is just an illustration. I'm talking about spiritually. We like to grab hold of all this stuff and we say, yeah, his, his burden is light and easy. And then we start carrying all this weight ourselves, don't we, through life. This spiritual backpack and then we got... 10 huge suitcases that we're trying to roll along and manage. Have you ever seen that in the airport when there's, like, this family? Um, I've seen it a lot in, in, in South American countries. Love those people. But, you know, they're trying to maximize what they're bringing to their relatives in the U.S. And they got, like, two people and they've got, like, 20 suitcases. And they're, like, like trying to wrangle them, like, move 10 steps ahead and then they go- get the other ones 10 steps ahead. That's what I'm picturing in our spiritual lives. He says, travel light, but we got all this stuff behind us that we're trying to bring along with us. And it's just not how the kingdom works. Freely you have received, so freely release. And we talk ourselves, though, into holding on to so much. We convince ourselves these are really good things, which which they are. They're gifts from the Father of light. I mean, he gives us sunshine. He, He gives us vehicles and land and homes. He gives us parents. He gives us children. He gives us friends. He gives us food and drink and all of those things are so good. He gives us our reputation. But then all of a sudden we find ourselves holding on to those things. And it turns from a good gift into idolatry. Because anything that you're holding on to that's even really good, even your children, if you're clutching on too much, you're not able to hold on to his robe. Your hands aren't open to freely release. I know the Lord is calling us in this hour to freely receive once again and freely release once again, to be like Abraham's that as hard as it is to put Isaac on the altar and say, Lord, I love this son and this daughter. I love this relationship. I love this, that, or the other thing, but I love you more. And the Father of Lights is able to take care of those good gifts better than we can so Freely receive and freely release. There's something that's amazing that happens when we do that. But it has to be a a process of over and over again of receiving, releasing with hands wide open. See, the greatest place of victory in our lives is found in the greatest place of surrender. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. One of my favorite verses. We're in a Psalm 23 season. But do we really believe that verse? Do we really believe that he's your shepherd and that we have all that we need? Like, do we really actually believe that? I would say no. See, the problem is that we like to be our own shepherds. We like to be the ones that are holding on to the staff. We want to be the ones that are in control. And God calls us to be little lambs, vulnerable little lambs at his feet. That's why the Lord loved how Mary just sat at his feet. It wasn't anything to do with Martha's good work in the kitchen. But it was that Mary had chose the better thing, to be a lamb at his feet, to allow him to be his, her shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You are not your own shepherd. I am not my own shepherd. And the moment that we start grabbing hold of that shepherd's staff, the moment that we start wandering away, which a good father allows to happen, because again, he lets you choose. But he's so good, he'll he'll bring us back, he'll nudge us. But at the end of the day, it's your decision. You may know the shepherd, but are you shepherded by the shepherd? The greatest place in victory of your life will be found in the greatest place of surrender. See, the lambs will either submit to the shepherd, or they will die trying to shepherd themselves. In the throne room, we read about in Revelation 4 and 5, it's the greatest place of victory in your life. And right now, if you know him, you're seated with him high above in heavenly places, far above every other principality and power. That's your highest realm of authority. That's the place that you're seated at, even though sometimes in the physical it doesn't feel like that. That's where you are in Christ. And in the throne room, there's these 24 elders that surround the throne. And those elders represent you and me. It's the 12 tribes of Israel from the Old Testament. It's the 12 disciples, apostles in the New Testament representative of you and me. So in the throne room, these, these elders surrounding the throne are seated. Where are they seated? They're seated on their own thrones. You're seated on your own throne. And the Lord has put a golden crown on each of your heads on that throne. But remember, the greatest place of victory is the greatest place of surrender. What do you and I do? What do those elders do? They fall on their face. They get off their many thrones, and they fall before the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah. They can't help but fall. And then they take their crowns and they throw them towards the one who will always wear the crown. It's such a beautiful picture. That's your greatest place of victory, your greatest place of surrender. It's also your highest realm of authority. So when you're operating in that like a lamb before the shepherd, like an elder before the throne, in that continual surrender, that submitting to him like, Thank you, Jesus. You've put a crown on my head. You've given me my own throne. You've given me authority. When you submit that again to Him over and over and over again, that is your greatest place of victory and authority. And what did they say? They say, Worthy is the Lamb. I'm not worthy, He is worthy. He is worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For you alone, Jesus created all things. And it's only because of you that they exist, that all these good things exist. And they were brought into being from your voice. Like, how can we not submit to that? Yet again and again, this pride rises up in us. This Confidence rises up in us that's, that's, that's a self-confidence, not a, not a confidence of the Lord. That's a different thing. A self-confidence. What the world would say. The thing that, that, th- that got Lucifer thrown out of heaven was that he, I will ascend above the throne, above the highest king. And that's any moment in our lives when that spirit tries to rise up, when we try to take hold of that shepherd's staff, when we don't submit as that little lamb, as that elder face down before the throne, throwing our crowns down, any moment that that tries to rise up, we have to break it off. Because in your greatest surrender is your greatest victory. Hands wide open equals heart wide open. You're a king and a priest before the Lord. An elder in the throne room. Given your own throne because of grace. Crowned with gold by the very one who wore a crown of thorns. See, see, he's the one who ultimately did that for you. He's only asking you to do what he did. He put a crown of thorns that pierced his skull on his head so that he could put a golden crown on your head and we have the audacity to stay on our own little thrones and keep our gold crowns on instead of just humbly submitting over and over and over again and throwing our crowns down. We have to break this cycle in our lives. See, partial surrender is not surrender. He's not asking for a part of your life. He's not asking for a couple days in your life or a couple hours in your life He's asking for every single thing in your life to lay down every single thing in your life before the shepherd and say, Father, you shepherd me because I don't know what I'm doing on my own. I'm just a little lamb. I'm really dumb at times. I try to get, get on my own path. Oh, this looks exciting. Let me walk over here. I need a shepherd. I need authority in my life. And when I surrender that again, that's when he brings me to the place of greatest authority where he operates, where he flows from. And it crushes pride. Freely release. Freely receive. You won't need a lot of money. See, one of the things that the Lord is wanting to break off in this hour, in this season, because there's seasons, there's, there's uh, Kairos moments where he does significant things very quickly. And one of the things I believe that he's breaking off in this season is a poverty spirit. Is a poverty spirit. Now, to be clear, someone who has the most earthly wealth in this room may be operating out of a poverty spirit. Okay. Let's, we don't relegate this to just a bank account. But this spirit, it, it's, it's, it's known for what it clings on to, for what it holds on to. It's a, it's a, picture this, a man-made lake filled with water, but it's hoarding that water. There's no inflow or outflow. Instead, the Lord wants to release a river. See, lakes are are not of him, unless there's an inflow and outflow. But a man-made lake of hoarding is a poverty spirit. When he wants to break that off into a river of healing, not a lake of hoarding, freely release. See, from the throne room, there's a river that flows. We read about this in Revelation 21, 22 and that river is meant to move that current is meant to move in you and through you how many times have we dammed up the river of god have we have we resisted the holy spirit and stopped the flow of in our lives because our hands and hearts were not freely releasing 1st Thessalonians 5 says do not stifle the holy spirit that's a poverty mentality when we stifle, when we hold on to, when we control, anything. Again, anything in your life. Really good things. Freely release. In the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about this farmer that's spreading seed. He's not holding on to the seed. He's not saving it for a a rainy day, which... There's, there's wisdom in, in don't, get me, don't mishear me, there's wisdom like Joseph in, in saving for what is coming, but the seed that he's put in your hand, the voice of God in your hand, is meant to be released and scattered. Freely you've received these words, freely release them. It would have been very easy for me, and I resisted it for a while, to not do what I did for Jill and Joel this morning. To not hear that whisper, to not be obedient to that whisper, And that would have been stifling the voice of God. That would have been just, you know, ignoring a whisper. But if you ignore a whisper, then the shout can't be released. And the sower is responsible, you and I are responsible to sow the seed. The seed that he puts in our hand is not meant for just you. It's to be thrown out so that it can bear much fruit. Because here's the thing, when you release his words, they never return void. So, who do we think we are to hold on to good seed when we're supposed to have hands wide open to release it to the world? The parable of the talents. We know this well. He says, Don't bury the money. That's that's the don't bury the things that he's put in your hand. But what what, what, what did the good Um, servants do they released it they put it to work they got it into the current of the river and then the one evil servant he what did he do he buried it underground that's a poverty spirit I'm just I'm too scared to do anything with it so I'll just keep it safe instead of releasing it and then what happened to that evil servant he said he said depart from me and he gave that one talent to the ones who were releasing the funds that's what's being broken off in your life and my life. Freely receive, freely release. See, something happens in the spiritual when you join that flow of the river from the throne room. It releases more. When you, when you have something that's put in your hand, the Lord said to Moses, what, when, when Moses was arguing with him about going to Egypt to confront Pharaoh, the Lord says, what is in your hand? He's going to use whatever is in your hand, but it's your job It's your job to join the flow of the river and release it, to use it. Otherwise, he's going to look for somebody else. He's going to do what he's going to do. But Jesus, let it be through us. Let us not be the ones that create our own private lakes of hoarding and don't release it to the world. Don't join the flow of the river. You know, worry, I believe, is a symptom of the poverty spirit. We're worried about a lot, aren't we? This is something we battle. Anxiety and worry. We play these mental games in our head. We have these these thoughts that are not of of our own, that are not of the Lord's come into our head and cause us to get anxious and worried. And we work ourselves up. We're consumed with them. And it causes this cycle, this, like, this lake effect cycle that just the water just goes stagnant and it's swirling around. Instead, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, on his river. Because he says, don't I feed the birds of the air? Don't I clothe the lilies of the field? How much more would I do that for my sons and daughters who are made in my image? Why are we spending so much time worrying? It's so much of the devil. So much of the devil. And the Lord's saying this morning, are you ready to be fully submitted to the shepherd? Are you ready once again? This isn't a one-time thing. It's an over and over submission of him. It's You've put this good thing in my hand. Am I going to clutch onto it? Is it going to become an idol in my life? Or am I going to freely open my hands and release it to his river, to his current? Psalm 46 says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the most high. There is a river in your life, and that stream is meant to be flowing through your heart. Proverbs says, out of the heart flow the issues of life. There's a river that's meant to flow through you. There's a stream that's meant to join in his river talked about this a couple months ago. I'd never seen it before. But Genesis 2 talks about creation when, when he created the world. And he talks about these four rivers. It's beautiful. He starts with a river and he ends with a river in Revelation 22. These four rivers, which four represents the number of the Holy Spirit. And ironically enough, not ironic, right on time, right on purpose, in Genesis 2:14, it says the river flows. It halocks, it walks, it moves from the Garden of Eden. See, he's always been about his river moving. He's always His river is always moving from the throne and to the throne. It flows from him and it flows to him, both directions. See, out of your heart flow the issues of life. Flow, it's not a lake, it's a flow, it's a river. See, he created the heart of David, Revelation 22, and he's inheriting the heart of David. The river flows in both directions from his throne and to his throne. That's how it was meant to operate. The only question is are you going to dam it up or let him flow? Freely receive, freely release. On November 13th, it was a Sunday morning at a vision. That the Lord gave me. We were in our Crave series, which I think is significant, as you'll hear about in a moment. I just want to read my vision to you. I, this was it. I saw a light, and it was coming from the northwest. It was far away, yet very, very close. And the light was similar to the sun, but it was much, much brighter. It was a white, brilliant light that was lighting up everything and everyone. And from the middle of the light in the northwest, there was a river. Near the light, it was as wide as an ocean, and it narrowed a bit to become this very wide river and became less wide as it flowed southeast to where I was standing. Picture the Illinois River. Except this flowed all the way up to the throne room. And closest to where I watched and near the narrowest part of the river stood a man, He stood along the West River Bank, and to his left, he was holding the hand of a little boy. At first, I thought the man was me. I thought I was holding Benny's hand. And then I realized that the man was the man, Jesus. And he was holding my hand. I was the little boy. And to my left, I was holding another little boy's hand, and to his left, another boy. And it went on and on and on as far as my eyes could see the line of boys holding hands and spreading westward was endless and the river that Jesus and I were standing next to it it flowed in both directions it was flowing from the light and it was also flowing back to the light And along the riverbank where the man Jesus was standing and where I was standing was brilliant green and lush and like the Garden of Eden. It's totally indescribable what I saw. Plants and trees and things that I'd never seen before. But it was so lush and green. And where we stood, that river was just transforming the banks of the river. But the rest of the land where the boys stood holding each other's hands a little farther out was colorless and black and white But slowly the man Jesus and I began pulling these boys closer to the river, closer to the lush green growth of life that we were experiencing. And I heard a voice speak to me and it said, son, stay on the shoreline. Stay on the shoreline. I felt like I was experiencing Psalm 1 and Revelation 21 and 22 at the same time, simultaneously. I knew the light from the northwest was coming from the throne room and was the light of the Father himself. And flowing from the throne was the river, which is the Spirit of God. And flowing back to the throne was the heartbeat of David coming from us, the boys. And the purpose for which we were created was to touch the heart of the Father and to walk with him in that current. And the flow of the river in both directions was speaking without words. It was saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. And the man Jesus, he stood on the riverbank, and he holds our hand in our humanity. The one who put on flesh and bones to become us and rescue us, he holds your hand. He's the firstborn among the dead who stands along the shoreline, holding us up, pulling us close to the river. And we hold his hand with our right hand and he pulls us into glory and the garden. And that's when we experience the fruit of the spirit along the riverbank. Just like Ezekiel says, everything that water touched created fruit trees, which multiplied. My friends, it's time to stay next to the shoreline. It's time to hold fast to his hand. That's the only thing we should be clutching onto is him. It's time to feel the light of the Father on your face, to rest in the flow of the river, both directions. He created the heart of David, but he wants to receive the heart of David back. He's going to inherit it. It flows in both directions. See, what was and what is and what is coming is so incredibly glorious. If we stay on the shoreline, it will be worth everything. In your lives, in my life. A few days, or maybe a week after having that vision, I was walking up to our church one night, maybe on a Thursday night, I don't remember. And I saw this sign that I'd never really paid attention to before, right outside our building. So I told you this is the day of signs. It had two arrows. Andrew, you can put that, that slide up. Two arrows. See, the river flows in both directions, both to the Father and from the Father. That's not a mistake that that sign's there. See, the physical always displays what's happening in the spiritual. And you know why they put those signs there is because Jefferson and Adam used to be one-way streets all the way down. And they've changed them recently. Where did they start changing them? On Oak Street. Do you know what the city is paying millions of dollars to do in the near future? To change the rest of Jefferson and Adams to two-way directions. The river flows to him and from him. Both ways. So now you've got a new sign to look at every time you come to church. To remind you that he wants to inherit the heart of David in your life. He's already flowing from the throne room. The question is, is your heart flowing back to him? Revelation 22 says this, Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, flowing with water clear as crystal, continuously pouring out from the throne of God and from the Lamb. The river was flowing in the middle of the street of the city. On each side of the river was the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of ripe fruit according to the month of the year. Hmm. See, there's different fruit for different months. Interesting. Just realize that. There's different fruit that he's releasing in different time periods to you. And the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. That verse is so significant to me because of what happened in Canada in the fall. I saw... I saw that. I saw him breaking through to the nations because the Spirit of God is moving on this earth. And he says, every curse and every curse and every single curse will be broken. It is being broken and will no longer exist for the throne of God and the Lamb will be there in that city. His loving servants will serve him, you and I, and they will always see his face and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will never need the light of the sun. See, the first gift he gave us, he's going to take away at some point in time because he himself will be the light. There will be no more night. There will be no more need for it. There will be no more night. You won't need a, a lamp in your house because the Lord God will shine on you. And you will reign as kings forever and ever. My friends, the the river is flowing. Freely receive the river, but freely release the river. Do not block the flow of the river. The river flows in you, and it's meant to flow out of you. Living water, Jesus says. A fountain within you, he says. Because his yoke is easy. His burden is light. That's why you and I can travel light. Because he's supposed to carry all the luggage. He's supposed to carry all the weight. The heart of David, he both created, but he wants to inherit that heart. That's why he's in love with that heart so much. Second Samuel says this of David, 2 Samuel 23. Then three of the 30 chief men went down and came to David at harvest time, in the cave of Adullam. while well, an army of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephraim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines were in control of Bethlehem. And David had a craving. Listen to this. I think this is why the Lord gave me that vision during the Crave series. David had a craving. And he said, oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men of David, (laughs) I love this story. They broke through the camp of the Philistines. And they drew water from the well of Bethlehem by the gate. And they carried it and they brought it to David he would not drink it he would not drink it he poured it out he poured it out before the Lord in worship see David had a craving which is a deep desire for something and I don't know if it was a flippant remark but, but I'm telling you a spiritual impact you and I have cravings for things good things that the Lord has given you. I'm sure he tasted that water from Bethlehem so many times, and he's operating his life at that moment out of a cave of Adullam, and he just makes this comment, oh man, I wish so bad I could have a drink of his water, of that water, and his mighty men just go and make it happen. They could have been killed for it, but they went and sacrificed their lives to go get him a drink of water, and I bet when they came back with it, David was overwhelmed. He said, No, I can't drink this blood or this this water that, that blood has been almost shed for. I have to pour it out as a drink offering in worship before the Lord. He freely received the water. And then he freely released the water. See, the Lord is looking for to entrust those with his water from his river. He's looking for people that he can trust his water with. Those that have a longing and a craving and a desire for just him. Those who are not blocking the flow, those that are just saying, Jesus, I need you, I want you in my life, I am I, laying everything down, I am gonna pour out the good gifts that you give me, I'm gonna pour it all out before you in worship surrender all of it like a lamb before the shepherd like an elder before the throne I'm going to pour it all out and then I'm left with an empty cup do you know what Jesus can do with an empty cup he will fill it Psalm 23 he will fill it as you're coming out of that valley and you pour your cup out he's seating you at a table In the presence of your enemies. Everything that you are battling, that you've battled, is looking at you powerless to do anything to you. And all that the enemy can do. See, that's why Jesus lets Satan stick around for so long. Because he has to watch your victory. He has to watch your victory. And he has to watch you get anointed at that table. And he gets to watch your empty cup be filled up with the Spirit of God and overflow. That's the flow of the river. Why don't you stand up? The altar's open. It's always open. I don't know what you need to pour out before the Lord this morning. I don't know what you've been craving that's really precious to you that needs to be poured out before the Lord but here's your opportunity. The Holy Spirit will show you. He will speak to you. Maybe he's speaking to you that you need to be baptized. If that's you, you can go to the back and see Holly right now. This is your response to him. The river flows in two directions from the throne and it's meant to flow back to the throne the only thing that's stopping it is you to flow back to he's looking for people that are willing to pour out their cups for Abraham's that will put Isaac on the altar it's really really hard to put your son and daughter on an altar and give them back to Jesus. But that's what he's asking for. Anything that your hand is gripping that's not his hand is an idol in your life. It needs to be broken off. That's what he's asking you to pour out in this moment to him as a, as a, as a symbol of worship to him. He's whispering for elders to get off their tiny thrones and fall at his face. He's whispering for you to take the crowns that he's given you your houses, your land, your future, your reputation, your friends, your family. Even the promises that he's given you, he's asking you to pour them out. That's what Abraham had to do. He didn't, he didn't, it doesn't make sense to him. Why would God tell me to put Isaac on an altar, pour his life out when he's promised me that that my descendants would be as numerous as the stars through this boy? Why, God? And that's where you have to trust. That's where the flow is. It doesn't always make sense to our earthly minds, but there's something that happens when you open your hands and freely receive, and you open your hands and you freely release. Holy Spirit, in this moment, would you whisper to our hearts, you're so kind. You're so gentle with us. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. Your kindness, Jesus, Father. We right now, I pray against this poverty spirit in Jesus' name. The lake of hoarding, and I see those lakes being broken up. I see streams in the wasteland that run to the river. I see streams in the desert that that makes no sense that water should be there, but it's because you opened up your hands. It's because you freely received and are freely releasing, Father. We choose you this morning, Jesus. We choose you. We choose to hold your hand right beside the river. We choose to say we receive the river from your throne room. Flow in our lives. We do not want to stifle it. We do not want to block it. We just say, flow, river flow. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Do what you will. We are with you, heart and soul. We trust you even though we don't know what it looks like. We trust you even though you've made promises to us that don't make sense. We trust you even though we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. We trust in your rod of protection and your staff of correction. We trust you as the shepherd. And right now we lay down our lives. We submit ourselves like lambs to the shepherd. Say, I'm tired of being my own shepherd. I'm tired of carrying all this weight. I want to travel light. He says, My child, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Just come to me. Just come to me. Whether whether it's your first time or the 10,000th time, you can come to him this morning. He said, Jesus, I'm all yours. Would you flow in my life? your river flow in my life? Would it break off the things that I've been hoarding? And would break open to a river of healing? I just want to declare these promises over you right now. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry. Thank you, Jesus. And restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, an ever-flowing spring. Yes, Lord. Lord, we say yes and amen. Come, Holy Spirit, that fountain of life, that living water, bubble it up within us. Let it flow around us and, and into your river. May we not stop the flow. Jesus says, if anyone is <laughs> who drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again. <laughs> they will be forever satisfied. See, you've been trying to fill your life with things that don't satisfy you. They're imitations of Jesus, but they're not the real thing. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He is breaking off chains in this moment. As you submit to him, he's breaking the thing that shackled you in Egypt. And he's making a way where there was no man. He's making a way through the Red Sea. And you're about to see the thing that it, that it abused you and dominated you and attacked you for years. You're about to see the Red Sea close back in on your enemy. And you're standing on the bank of that sea watching in victory, singing the song of the Lamb. As those who continually conquer, you are seeing the sea mixed with fire and glass. Thank you, Jesus. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof the world and all who dwell therein. He founded it upon the seas and he established it with streams and rivers. Jesus, establish your stream and river this morning. Break into those hard places. Break into the desert places. Places where we never thought we would see water again. Bring your living water there. Establish it just like you did from the foundations of the earth. Let the four rivers flow. Let the Holy Spirit flow in these people that are submitting to you right now. Let their lives be a testimony of a river, a current, nothing blocking the Holy Spirit, only the flow of Jesus, only the flow of Jesus. We love you, Lord. much of him as you want. It's up to you. He's the one that you're actually craving. He's the thing that you've been desiring. He's he's the real deal. You look just like him. He designed you so perfectly. Now he's calling you back to a life of complete surrender over and over again fall on our face, Father, and we cast our crowns, every gold crown we put on your feet.